It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in again here to Talent Talk and joining me. As as usual, I have two fantastic guests lined up, and we're going to get to them and talk a little bit about talent, culture, and everything else uh, that we usually talk about here on the show. You know, as many of you know, I have had generally get the great privilege of meeting so many cool and inspiring people from the different conferences I'm at and the different uh, kind of programs that I'm able to, to participate in. And so this shows really that kind of extension of that, that I can have that great conversation with someone who's maybe inspiring people or talking about uh, new things uh, around talent and culture and, and do it in a way that allows you to listen in on the conversation and hopefully even participate. So as I've mentioned before, Talent Talk is live here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you can access it, though. Most of you kind of come in on the podcast uh, or you listen on iHeartRadio um, the last several years. We've managed to get up to a number of around 10,000 people a day downloading one or more of the shows, and it's just a really big thank you to everyone who's coming in the show on a regular basis. Um, as I mentioned, we always love to get our um, kind of interaction with uh, people that are listening, so if you want to tweet us, uh, you can go to at PeopleG2 and go to the hashtag uh, Talent Talk or send it to uh, a question there. Uh, if it's during the show, great. We try to work it into the show. If it's not, then I'm sure myself or the guests will be happy to respond back on Twitter and keep the conversation going. Uh, speaking of my guests, uh, I'll begin today's show with Jennifer McClure, uh, president of Unbridled Talent and the CEO of Disrupt HR. And then my second guest will be uh, Tania Davis, the chief people officer at iManage. So let's go ahead and get to my first guest, uh, Jennifer McClure. Jennifer, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be back to chat with you again. Yeah. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about uh, yourself, if they don't know who you are, and maybe what you've been up to uh, in the last couple of years since you were last on the show. Sure. Well, I spent about 20 years of my career as a leader and executive in human resources roles in a variety of companies, and then moved into sent uh, in executive recruiting for about three and a half years, and for the last Seven plus years I've been out on my own, and I'm primarily a speaker. I'm out there talking with uh, conferences, events, and corporate groups about talent strategies, uh, strategic leadership, and career development issues. So three years ago, my partner and I um, kind of formed Disrupt HR LLC. So I'm the CEO. He's the founder, and it is a series of global events held by volunteers all over the world where people come together and give five-minute talks about anything related to the world of work. So I love kind of being out there, not only getting to talk to people myself, but helping other people to get their voice and their message heard. 
So I've had the opportunity twice now to participate in the Disrupt HR Orange County event. And I'm actually today at the California HR Conference giving sort of a similar version. They asked me to come and kind of do another five-minute type version. So what do you think that maybe really draws people to that model of information exchange? It's really, I guess, designed for that kind of quick hit and five-minute kind of uh, get it out quickly. I mean, what, what, what was sort of maybe the... The beginnings of that, and why do you think people are, are interested in that type of model? Sure. Well, it began here in Cincinnati, where I'm from. Um, again, my partner and I were just chatting about kind of some things we'd like to see or do. And, of course, as a speaker who is out talking with people and attending a lot of great events, um, I felt like there was an opportunity to really do something different, that you know, traditional conferences and events are certainly great places to learn, to meet people, to network, but maybe we could do something that was a little bit more edgy, a little bit more fun, and kind of mix it up a little bit. So he, at the time, was the community organizer for Ignite events in Cincinnati, and so we kind of uh, borrowed or shamelessly stole their five-minute, 20-slide, 15-second format because he knew those events were fun and reached a variety of people and we thought why don't do that in the talent space and i think it's really resonated with people again because it is different we're not meant to be you know in competition with any events or placement for any type of events we want to be something in in addition to again where you can go and have fun they're typically you know smaller type events they last a couple of hours so you hopefully will bump into some people you're not typically sitting at tables and So have fun, learn something, and I think part of the five-minute talk format is nice because it gives you hopefully enough information that if you're more interested in the topic, you can connect with the speaker and maybe learn more about what they have to think rather than sitting there for an hour and maybe getting a little bit of the message or not any of the message or forgetting a big piece of it after you left. And the fact that the talks are, are videoed and then available to share online means you can go back and watch them over and over again as well. Yeah, and I can tell you selfishly that um, being having those little videos online has been great for being able to book speaking gigs as well because someone can kind of see how you are in a five-minute format and whether or not you can deliver information, which if you haven't done this before, um, five minutes is tough. Um, mm-hmm. Having 20 slides is actually the hardest part for me personally um, because I feel like you got to keep changing. The slides change and you got to keep kind of moving and... I probably would do five slides if I had, or maybe six if I had the, the option of, you know, in talking for five minutes. So the kind of combination really adds a little bit of edge to it and um, pushes people, I think, to, to kind of move quickly through their, through their presentations. Um, right. And I think it's also nice that everybody is on the same playing field. So like me, I'm a professional speaker, but before Disrupt HR, I'd not given this kind of talk. So it it means that I'm having to deal with the same challenges as someone who's never given a talk before and figure out how to be interesting in five minutes and make a point and also keep up with the timing of the slides. So uh, we like that it puts everybody on the same playing field and allows people who maybe never give talks or never would consider giving a talk to get up because they see that it can be fun. And if they screw up, it only lasts five minutes. And you're not stuck on stage for the next 55 minutes going, why did I agree to this? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We've unfortunately seen a few of those speeches. So, yeah, uh, there always are. <laughs> there always are. Well, I, you know, I think I'm connected with you on just about every social media platform. So I get to kind of see all the different cool places that you're speaking. You're kind of all over the place now. And the other thing I saw the other day is your kind of interest in horses. So I, I was thought I'd selfishly take this time to ask you if there's a connection there with the horses with the title of your company of Unbridled Talent. 
Uh, there actually is, yeah. I, I uh, posted on my Facebook page today because I saw yet another creative spelling of unbridled talent out there. I've learned nobody can spell it or say it. You would think it's a very simple word, but it's not. But <laughs> it was a, you know, a year and a half of thinking about starting my own business and kind of going around in the, the endless loop of not being able to really come up with a name. At the time, I thought, you know, I, I wanted to... To find a way, you know, to come with something different and unique that maybe did call out my passion and obsession with horses. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the fact that my background and my interests are also in the, the talents and people space. So I was at lunch with a friend after, you know, a year and a half of looking in the dictionary for every horse-related term I could. And she said, why not unbridled talent? And, and I looked right then, and the URL was available, and it, and it was uh, meant to be. So I, I think for me, yeah, the, the fact that I can kind of uh, bring in my passion for horses, but also I do believe that in the world of work, our talent today is not, you know, kind of bolted to the desk as they were in the past. They're free to roam, and our job as leaders is to figure out how to best engage them and keep them and get them skilled to do the work that we need to do. So that that's very similar, I think, with kind of training a horse and building a partnership with a horse. And so for me, it was a good match. I always find it fascinating when we get these stories about, you know, when people have taken such a great amount of time to try to figure something out, right, to come up with the perfect thing, and then you just tell your colleague or a friend or somebody about it casually at over lunch, and then they gave you the perfect idea. And it's like, you know, duh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or like, you know, what I, what I share today is, don't wait a year and a half to start your business because your name is never going to be perfect. Right. right. <laughs> you can always change it. And if you choose a name like Unbridled Talent, which people call unabridged, unabridled, unbridled, I don't know. They have this, every day I see new ways that people misspell it or create it. I said, that way you get a new name every day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I we joke here that everyone, there's a, my last name, uh, Dyer, is also a street called Dyer uh, Road here. And people always say the street name correctly. But when they say my name, they always say it wrong. And that just, it, growing up in this area where there's a street with my name on it, but people can't say it when they call my name at the doctor's office or, you know, when the teachers would call me in school or whatever. It's just always one of those baffling things. Mm-hmm. Well, I know just uh, last week you published an article, a great article called Six Tips to Build Influence and Get Your Ide- Ideas Heard. Um, and this is really a, a, a great topic because uh, a lot of people have great ideas, a lot of people have a passion inside of an organization, and delivering that in a way in which is going to be heard, that you're going to get someone to pay attention to the things that you're talking about, especially if they're good things, it is really important. So can you talk more about maybe what some of those six tips are? Yeah, I really believe as I kind of like focus more about how I want to help leaders make an impact and how I personally want to make an impact, not just in the business space, but also just in the world and in life in general. For me, it comes down to uh, the people who are able to have the most impact for at least what I see are the people who have a lot of influence. And there are a lot of forms of influence. You know, people can be influential because they have power that's been either bestowed upon them or that they've acquired or that they have financial resources or the right relationships. There are all kinds of ways to have influence and to build, you know, quote, power. Uh, and often we think of those things as kind of negative, you know, influence or power being negative. But you've got to have those if you want to do anything uh, in the business world, if you want to make an impact in the business world, and even if you want to make impact on people's lives. So, you know, I feel like leaders who really focus on building their personal influence 
so that they can convince people to uh, do things maybe when it's not something that they want to do or that they can get the right people involved so they can get something approved or that they can sell their ideas um, and that people believe that they have the credibility and the wherewithal to make it happen, that's where you're really going to be able to move forward in your career and I think, again, have the most impact in life. So some of the things that I mentioned in there were around making sure, again, that you have the right relationships. A lot of influence is about who you know. You know, we we hear and having been in HR and certainly done plenty of employee opinion surveys throughout my career, there's always this question on there that somehow the answer comes out that people believe that, you know, managers and leaders pay favorites. And the reality is, Sometimes, you know, maybe 2% of the time people, there is favoritism involved. I, you know, my cousin is the person that got promoted. But most of the time, the favorites are the people who get stuff done and who build good relationships. Um, so if you want to be the favorite so that you can move forward in your career, you got to focus on who do I need to know? Uh, how can I make sure that that person knows me? And probably the best way to do that is to add value to them and to uh, provide them with the tools and things that they need in order to get ahead so that when I do need to call upon them to, you know, help me get something approved or to connect me with the right person or to recommend me for a promotion that I've built enough influence with them that, that I'm top of mind. And so I think that's something that, you know, people often think about, you know, I know relationships are important, but do I have the right strategic relationships? Am I building relationships with people that maybe even I don't necessarily like, but that I know are critical to my path and what I want to accomplish at work and in life? And another tool or tip that I share is, you know, always bringing data. Too often in my past, in, the, in my career, I, I just kind of, you know, went in and said, we need to do this because I believe it's the right thing to do and you should trust me because I'm an expert and I know what I'm talking about. And and sometimes because I had influence, I was able to, to get those ideas through. But um, thankfully, at one point in my career, a person who did believe in me reminded me that I needed to bring data in order to support my decisions, that he wasn't just going to approve things because we had a good relationship, because he also then had to go and sell the idea to somebody else. So it really brought home to me the importance of not only understanding the problem that you are uh, proposing a solution to, but really being able to explain that in, in terms that use data, you know, whether that's percentages or numbers or dollars. That's how executives want you to frame up problems and solutions in the organization. And again, that's the best way to build influence. If you are known as the person who has the right answers and can get the information that's necessary in order to be able to make the best decision, I think that positions you to be able to uh, have huge impact again in the organization and to be able to get what you want out of your career and in life. Yeah, that's some uh, really great advice, especially for anyone looking to move up in the organization or increase their influence or whatever it may be. I mean, so often it's... um you know, a matter of just making the effort to do those things. And honestly, I've had people say, I just don't know what to do, or I'm not being successful so far in, in my attempts. And a lot of times it's just a matter of asking. Uh, it's just, you know, getting a moment with that person and saying, what do you think I should be doing? Or what are the things? Or can you help me? Or whatever it may be. And it's always been amazing to me, Micah, when I've asked for help from someone in that mentorship position that they have almost every time said yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and been willing to give me those things and told me things that I never would have thought of or never thought was important or would have re- ever realized on my own, you know, or 
Next thing you know, say, oh, well, you should show up on Thursday night at such and such a place. That's where all the executives hang out. We, you know, have a drink. Oh, <laughs> glad I asked. You know, those, it, it's amazing. So uh, I think those are really, really great points of kind of reiterating some things you said about bringing value, bringing measurement, bringing the, that, that data, making sure you've kind of articulated what's in it for the organization, what's in it for that, that manager, or helping that person sell it up the organization is just it, it's, it's really great. So make sure you check out that article. Uh, I believe it's on LinkedIn and uh, probably other places. But uh, it it's on LinkedIn or at jennifermcclure.net on my book. That's uh, six tips to build influence and get your ideas heard. So if you could take, you know, out of the six tips, do you think there's maybe one that might have be the first one people should start with? Or is there one that maybe would have the biggest impact? Or do you feel like maybe they're all six are relatively equal? Uh, they're probably not equal, but again, I think relationships are the key. Uh, making sure that you understand who are the people that you need to have in your corner, that you have some people that are actively mentoring you, that you have some people that you are mentoring, um, that you have some people you know that are in your career path that, as I said, you may not necessarily want to go out and have a beer with them or um, you know want to invite them over to Sunday dinner, but you know that they're important to your career and what you need to uh, do in order to move forward. So really mapping out who are the people that I need to know, uh, how can I add value to them? And again, it's not about, you know, brown nosing or, or uh, doing things just to, to build favor, but how can I truly add value so that I'm seen as a person who has credibility and expertise and authority? Um, because the world literally moves on who you know. And I said, people who don't end up getting chosen or selected often like to point out well it's because you know so and so was the favorite or because um you know i didn't get enough visibility or you know a lot of a lot of excuses are thrown out there as to why they weren't recommended or they weren't tapped on the shoulder for something and i think you just have to take charge of that you can't uh expect that if you do good work people are going to know that you are the person that does the good work or has the answers you really got to do a good job of promoting yourself may not be the right word because a lot of people are humble and they don't want to say, you know, look at me. But if people know that you do good work and you interact with them in a way such that they get to see that, or again, that you are reaching out to them and helping them in their career journey or in their impact journey by providing them tools or resources or information just because you know it would be helpful, then that's the way that you're going to get noticed. And, and to me, that's that's a critical piece that a lot of people overlook because they think that relationships should unfold naturally, and I think they should be strategic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, if you're too humble or too afraid or whatever it may be to toot your own horn or get out there and let people know find a buddy you know and do it you might it's a lot easier to talk about somebody else's um successes or things that they're doing well and if you can find someone who will do it for you and you do it for them and that's another way around it but however you do it you got to do it you got to make sure that people in the organization know you know when you've been successful when you've done things um, when you're bringing value whatever it may be mm-hmm. in there you know, uh, I know you're a very uh, sought-after keynote speaker. What are some of the topics that most of the organizations um, ask you to speak on? Anything around leadership usually is, is a hot topic, and certainly there are a lot of people out there talking about leadership. And, and my angle is really, you know, that kind of strategic leadership 
aspects and again how can we have the most impact so identifying the the biggest problems in the organization and going about solving them and i do speak with a lot of human resources and recruiting leaders and and so for me it's about reminding them that where we add value in the organization is solving the organization's biggest problems not hr problems or recruiting problems so talking with leaders in the organization looking at the strategic objectives of the organization and identifying what hr's role is in solving that problem is where where we're going to add value it's not going to be in you know making sure that we have efficient open enrollment or that you know everybody gets paid on time those are things that just have to be done so really looking at the business from a strategic standpoint and and hr people in particular love to talk about being strategic but i want them to do more than talk about it i want them to actually figure out how to do it and the way to do it is to figure out what problems the business are facing and to jump in the fray and help solve those problems Oh, absolutely, and I hopefully people can have an opportunity to see you speak. You're, you are speaking so often that hopefully uh, they can catch you at one of the many different shows or places you may be. Um, with all of the planes that you're on, you probably pick up a book or two uh, from time to time. So wondering if there's a particular book that you're reading right now or maybe you recently read that you might share with us. Sure. Well, I actually have an, a new keynote coming up that I'll be doing at Ohio SHRM conference in September, and it's around influential leadership, as I've probably mentioned several times in this, this uh, talk that, you know, that's really where I'm kind of like headed right now. How can I help people to understand the importance of influence and, and gaining more of that and what it can do for them in their life and in their career? So I'm actually going back and reading kind of the classic book in that space, which is called Influence by Robert Cialdini. And so that's certainly a book that uh, many people refer to when they talk about influence. And so I wanted to go back and kind of read, you know, some of the case studies that he shares and and some of the original thoughts that were out there. He's got some updated versions now that are out there, but I'm reading the original. Well, it sounds like a fascinating book, and I'm sure that your uh, speeches as well will be a fascinating kind of interpretation or update on on what what leaders can do and and how they might be able to to kind of move forward. So um, wondering, um, you know, you talked about a lot of different things today. Um, We kind of had a couple different topics. Um, If there was one thing you hope that people might have heard or might have remembered from our conversation today, what, what might that be? I just, again, I'm really interested in people thinking about the impact that they want to have, not just in work, but in life. So how can I leave the world a better place? You know, I don't want to get all morbid and do what a lot of career coaches will do or life coaches and say, you know, imagine your tombstone or your funeral and what people will say. We don't have to go that far. <laughs> I just We want to leave the world a better place than when we got here. We want to leave the workplace a better place than when we got there. Uh, you know, if you're going to retire, what are people going to say about you at your retirement party or if you leave for a better opportunity and people take you out for drinks? You know, how can you make sure that people view you positively and remember you fondly because something was different as a result of you having been there? So to really sit back and take the time to think about, you know, what do I bring to the table that I can leverage in order to create positive impact in the organization? And what do I need to learn or do differently so that I can increase that impact? And so that's what I think I'd like for people to take away. Everybody has the opportunity to make a difference. 
regardless of your status or position in the organization, you can make a difference strategically, you know, as an administrative assistant by understanding your role and what you play in, in the big picture of the company or assisting somebody who is positioned to have a large impact. So everybody can have a positive impact. So really taking the time to understand how you can most leverage that, I think, is really important for all of us. Well, one uh, kind of fascinating question that we've been thinking about asking some of our guests, so we're going to try it out on you today and see and see what we get. But, you know, as you look back at your career, that the kind of where you started and where you ended up, if knowing with what you know right now, would you go back and maybe start in the same place? Or would, do you think you might end up starting somewhere differently, uh, in a different uh, job, a different industry, a different place in general? And where, where, where might that be? Absolutely, I would, um, and I, I mentioned this in some of the talks that I do. I, mean, I started out in personnel, you know, back when human resources was called personnel, and graduated with a degree in business management because there wasn't a, a personnel or human resources management degree program at the time when I graduated, and so I thought, for me, I, I felt like being in human resources was a place where I could have the opportunity to have an impact on the most people in the organization. You know, I, I always say I was a millennial before millennials were cool. I wanted to have a lot of impact right out of the gate. And so for me, starting as a, you know, someone in accounting or marketing or operations, uh, it seemed like the place where I could impact the most people. So by choosing to go into HR, I had the opportunity, whether that's through creating policies or doing employee relations or uh, hiring and, you know, even being involved in terminations, there's an opportunity to touch everybody uh, professionally in the organization. And I think that was a great place to start because especially since I also wanted to know the business, uh, I didn't want to just be the administrative side of HR. I wanted to really understand the products that we made and how they were made and the challenges the business were facing. To me, it was the perfect place to start. And I'd recommend it to anybody that really wants to get in and learn the business, um, have the opportunity to influence across the organization and grow as a leader. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you would have started in the same place. Um, I guess that's a pretty good testament to the path you had, the leaders you had, the people that uh, maybe impacted you. Was there maybe a particular leader that maybe had a significant influence on you or a mentor or someone on, you know, in your path that really kind of made that big difference for you as you kind of progress in your career? Absolutely. I think um, for me, at least, I, I only worked in three companies before I moved into recruiting and then out on my own. So each boss that I had uh, really added a lot to me in different ways. You know, I learned in the beginning, you know, that I had a boss that the first day I joined the company, he said, I don't know anything about HR. You have an office with books in it. Uh, go go to it. So <laughs> I, I learned that I couldn't get things done by depending on somebody above me to teach me how to do it. I had to learn it myself. And in my second job, I worked for someone who had actually you know, been one of the first two employees to start the company and had set up all the policies and procedures and was very different from me personality-wise, but really great at kind of helping me to see that the world is not so black and white, that there was room for Gray. Uh, his name was Dave, so I always said Dave Gray. Um, you know, and in, in human resources, we have to 
to look at the big picture sometimes instead of just saying, well, the policy says this or don't. And so he really helped me to see that and, and also called me out on, um, you know, in the beginning, I was a, a can't do that kind of person. You can't do that because we'll get sued or we can't do that because it's against the rules. And so not only did he call me out on that and say that's not really the best way to handle it, but he really encouraged me to think about what we could do and to think more about what we could do instead of what we couldn't do. And then my third boss, um, with someone who everybody should have the opportunity to work for someone like that who truly believed in me, who truly trusted me, who believed that human resources was the most important role in the organization. And to have the opportunity to work for someone like that who, again, was a person of influence himself, who took my ideas, who promoted uh, the things that I put forward, who stood behind me when others disagreed with me. Um, that's just a gift that, you know, working for somebody and seeing how he was able to motivate me to do my best work really hopefully inspired me to be a better leader to the people that I led and served as well. Well, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. We always learn so much. Um, how can people find out more about Unbridled Talent or, or Disrupt HR or more about you? What's the best place if you know, everyone to go look and, and find more about you? Sure. All things Jennifer McClure can be found at jennifermcclure.net. I'm also on Twitter at Jennifer McClure and out there on LinkedIn as well. For Disrupt HR, you can go to disrupthr.co. That's the website, which lists all the cities that are licensed to hold Disrupt HR events. And if your city is not listed and it's not within 60 miles or uh, 90 kilometers of an existing city, then why not you and why not your city? And it also, uh, the homepage of disrupthr.co lists all the upcoming events. And I think we have over 40 between now and the end of the year coming up. And you can also find a link to the talks, disrupthr.co slash talks. We have over 1,200 five-minute videos out there. And on the talks page, they're listed in popularity order. So uh, if you just look at the first few, you'll see some of the best. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today and giving our listeners so much to think about. Love to have you come back for a third time at some point and give us an update on all the cool things that you're doing. All right. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. All right. We'll be back after this uh, quick commercial break and uh, hopefully bring in our second guest if we can reach her. Otherwise, we'll just wrap up the show. But uh, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Trump is promising that all resources will be brought to bear in Texas, which is enduring the impact of the first hurricane in a dozen years to make landfall in the U.S. as a Category 3 or higher. He and the First Lady are in Texas to tour the flood zone and get briefed on emergency response. His cabinet secretaries in charge of federal housing, health and human services, and small business are also on the ground. 
One immediate concern is how to keep the floods from getting worse. NPR's Nathan Roth says water is spilling over the top of the Attucks Reservoir. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers that are, have looked at it say it's not a problem. It doesn't uh, threaten the integrity of the actual um, dam or the reservoir itself. But they are releasing as much water as they can from the reservoir just to bring the levels down. The rain has led up here probably in the last half hour, which has really helped. Um, but uh, people south of the reservoir are being evacuated. Some of them had already been evacuated. That's the Buffalo Bayou neighborhood. That's NPR's Nathan Rott. It's still too early to say how many people may have been killed in the floods. Four deaths have been confirmed, but that number is expected to go up. One death was confirmed just a short time ago, that of Houston police officer Steve Perez, who drowned in his vehicle on a flooded road under a highway overpass. Police Chief Art Acevedo says Perez, a 34-year veteran, didn't show up for roll call on Monday, which then touched off a search for him. We couldn't find him, and uh, once our dive team got there, it was too treacherous to, to go under and look for him. So we made a decision to leave officers there. Uh, waiting until the morning because as much as we wanted to recover him last night, we could not put another, more officers at risk. Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo describing the extreme dangers officers face in trying to reach stranded residents. Some people who are stranded are appealing for help on social media and on volunteer-driven websites like HoustonHarveyRescue.com. That's how we found 39-year-old Freddie Magana who spoke to NPR's Amy Held from the roof of his home in Ukaney, Texas, about 30 miles north of Houston. Freddie Magana said his single-story home flooded so fast on Sunday, he only had time to grab some food, water, a blanket, and pillow before making it to the roof. There, he spent almost two days. And while a rescue worker, possibly a volunteer, did come by, Magana said he was unable to get him down. He told us that our uh, situations weren't graphic or bad enough in order for them to rescue us. They were looking for older people that were like sick in wheelchairs and needed medicine and all that. Magana said floodwaters had receded enough by Tuesday afternoon that his neighbor was able to help him off the roof. His next challenge, getting transport to a shelter. Amy Held, NPR News. The Dow is up 56 before the close. This is NPR. Welcome back to uh, Talent Talk Radio. Uh, looks like our second guest has had some sort of an issue, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. Uh, unfortunately, we just c- couldn't get her on. So uh, next week, we're going to have uh, a fascinating show. We're going to have both Herb Callahan and Ed Rodriguez. They are the two HR leaders over at Golden State Foods. Now, early on when we started this show, we had uh, Herb and also the different HR leader on at that time. Uh, and on the show, it was one of our most popular shows. Um, so we're having them in the studio together at the same time we're going to spend the entire show talking about some of the cool things that they do a very large local organization um, and they're both uh, fascinating interesting guys so we're going to have them on in here um, also september 21st uh, we're having our combined our ochr event with emp so if you want to come to that on september 21st it's a morning event over the cove in uci uh, love to have uh, anyone join us uh, over there you can go to uh, emp just type that in uh, events and you should be able to uh, find us over there uh, or feel free to reach out to me on twitter other than that, I uh, hope everyone has a fantastic week. I uh, hope Houston gets dry here at some point. All of our thoughts are out with them. And uh, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.
You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.